0: Listener-supported WNYC Studios.
1: This is all of it. I'm Allison Stewart, live from the WNYC Studios in Soho. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. I'm really grateful you're here. And guess what, Nikita? I'm, I'm tapping you ready. My tea bag today, right on my mug. Mm-hmm. It says, "Gratitude leads to love."
2: Aww, Aww,
1: here's to that. Valentine's Day is every day. (laughs) On today's show, we consider some history for our Black History Month segment on black New Yorkers who made an impact on our city. We'll speak with the curators of an exhibit at the New York Historical Society that describes how two black athletes helped make the New York City Marathon what it is today. Then we'll head out to Long Island with a look at the Gilded Age and how it unfolded in the Tony mansions on the Gold Coast. And we'll continue our launch of this year's public song project with musician Valerie June plus learning about how sound recording changed in the 1920s. That's the plan, but let's get this hour started with a discussion about diners.
3: I am sitting Morning at the diner On the corner I am waiting at the counter For the man to pour the coffee And he feels it only
1: certain mystique around diners. There are the sprawling menus that account for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and if you like dessert, almost any time of the day. Part of it might be the decor, which often features geometric tile floors, red bar stools, vinyl booths, tableside jukeboxes, and those ceramic containers with all types of sweeteners for your coffees. Ah, heck, even one of the best Barry Levinson movies takes place in one.
0: There's a little place where people gather to enjoy the banquet of life.
3: I get a date with Carol Heathrow. (laughs) She is death. It's the diner. And what they really want most isn't on the menu.
1: Perhaps the original New York City third space. You can find yourself at a diner capping off a night of partying or getting some alone time with breakfast before work. There's a nostalgia factor too, a casual and timeless space where the eternal question is only ever, what can I get you? Listeners, our guiding questions for this conversation are what does a diner mean to you? And more practically, what are your favorite ones in the area? 212 433 9692. 212-433-WNYC What's your go-to diner? What's your order? 212-433-9692 212-433-WNYC You may call in, join us on the air You can text to us at that number as well And for those of you in Jersey What makes diner culture in Jersey So special or unique? Help us understand Jersey diners What role do they play in local business or politics? We are taking your meditations And recommendations about diners 212 433 Nine six nine two two one two four three three WNYC. Quick reminder: Don't call us if you're driving. <laughs> That's all. That's all I got to say. You can pull over. We'd love to hear from you. Pull over. It's just it's for safety, folks. No driving and calling. But. Definitely do call in. 212-433-WNYC. Joining us now to help take those calls and talk with us about the allure of diner culture, we have New York Times food editor Nikita Richardson, who writes the Where to Eat newsletter. Earlier this month, she published one headlined, Lemon Ricotta Pancakes, Patty Melt, and More Diner Fair. Old school New York diners are dwindling, but the holdouts are still churning out classics from mile-long menus. Thanks for coming to the studio, Nikita. So happy to be here. All right, so you're... You came to New York. You've been in New York for a long time. Um, when you first came to New York, though, what were your impressions of New York City diners? Um, I, you know, honestly,
4: I was coming from the perspective of Waffle House, where I'm mm-hmm. from the South. I'm from Georgia, for listeners who don't know. Um, but I've been here since about 2012. And... Uh, So my expectation is that, like, Mm -hmm. which is, it's funny because it's a diner chain, but I feel like New York, the chains aren't really, it's not really about chains. It's about places that have been Mm -hmm. truly on that corner forever. I used to go out in Bushwick a lot, and (laughs) when I first moved here, uh, very girls of me, and then we would always end up the next morning at Tina's Place, which is at the corner of Morgan and Flushing, which is like it's i think it's well over 80 years old it's mm-hmm. been there forever it's only open for a few hours during the day and we're just sitting there and just eat you know like all the the alcohol soaking food <laughs> you know <laughs> toast eggs bacon meat, you know the only the only way to recover from a night out sometimes is to go into a diner
1: you cover restaurants you go yeah. to a lot of very lovely meals nice meals michelin stars aren't really what people are excited about when they talk about diners what makes the experience of eating at a diner desirable?
4: I think that the diner is kind of like uh, the everyman restaurant, right? Like mm-hmm. the the menu is so extensive that there's something for literally anyone who walks in there, whatever you're, whatever you're craving, you know. Um, and I feel like it is that space that is – there is no – you like – if you go to a Michelin star restaurant, you'll look at the menus and you're like, "What's a comfy? What's exactly. <laughs> what is yuzu what is even? It? Why is there foam? Yeah, but we all know what a <laughs> pancake is, right? <laughs> so, and and that is, and there's just I get I have just as much fun, if not more fun, in a diner mm-hmm. than in a fancy restaurant. You know what I mean? Like I think. There's something very, uh, the hospitality, the warmth of it, the kind of camaraderie you feel with your fellow diner Mm. diners,
1: (laughs) I think makes it so much fun. Now, you mentioned Waffle House. So Mm -hmm. before anybody gets mad and gets in, whether Waffle House is or isn't a diner. It is. Okay, (laughs) football stars, the Kelsey brothers, Travis and Jason, have had this argument on their podcast. (laughs) So let's listen. This is Jason first.
5: I would not classify it as a diner. I would classify it as a waffle house. It's a uh, it's it's in the 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 breakfast bakery. Bakery? I would definitely not call it a bakery. What are you talking about? What are you calling it fast food and it's not fast food? It's <sighs> it's a diner. <laughs> it's not a diner. It's a 24/7 diner. It's not a diner. Have you ever been to a diner? Like an actual yes. diner. It's not a diner. It no, looks exactly like it. You I could refuse just get shakes a and a diner. burgers house at a, a diner. House. Yeah, it's it's not a diner. Diners are, are unique like you're at you're at Marty's Diner. You're at you don't go to like it's not like a place, place. Listen. I'm all for the Waffle House um but I I enjoy the fact that they make it I think that they do you think they do it on purpose? they make it look like kind of crappy. I think that's part of the draw. <laughs> like if you okay, went there and it's like this So they go on place. and
1: on. And I <laughs> guess this means Taylor Swift's going to a diner in <laughs> case okay, you had to figure that out from Travis. Um, what's your go-to order at a diner, Nikita? Uh, I
4: always, when I go to Waffle House, I'm going to, well, if it, it's Waffle House, it's going to be the double hash browns smothered, which means with mm-hmm. cheese on it for those who are not in the know. Um, but... Honestly, and this is what kind of inspired this whole newsletter: is that like if I'm overwhelmed, I'm gonna go for a patty melt. And that same week that the that newsletter about diners came out. Um, our restaurant critic, the Times the restaurant critic, Pete Wells, had written an entire ode to the patty melt that was <laughs> rese- like I think I was looking at the article right before this 700 comments, like which is very high for us. Like it, it just like inspired so much conversation because people feel very strongly about the patty melt. Um, if you don't know what a patty melt is, it's essentially a burger, but it's between two slices of toast. It has cheese on it, Swiss, and it has uh, caramelized onions. It is a perfect thing to eat. At a diner. It's 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 breakfast, it's lunch, it's dinner, it's everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My guest Nikita Richardson, editor for the New York Times Food section, she writes the Where to Eat newsletter. We are talking about diners. Our phone lines are full. Let's talk to some listeners, Nikita. Ingrid from Sayreville, New Jersey. Hi, Ingrid. Oh, we just lost Ingrid. Oh, how about Zoe from Long Island City? Zoe,
6: are you there? I am. And I would like to tell you about the Court Square Diner in Long Island City right at the foot of the 7 train i know which that is very diner <laughs> yeah
4: so shiny and,
6: <laughs> i've been going there for 40 years and uh, the canellas brothers have owned it for most of that so it's a, a real greek 24/7 diner they never closed a single day not even during the pandemic you know they would do takeout and even during sandy they stayed open because they were afraid that something might happen to the building <laughs> so they stayed all night and they treat the people in this neighborhood like gold. They, All the waiters and waitresses know you. They all work there for years. You know, there's not a big turnover. And uh, even as a single person, you can go in there and they don't relegate you to Siberia. <laughs> you know, they. if I come in there, if there's a booth open, they know I love a booth. <laughs> and they give me a booth. And uh, they're, they're just so good to everybody. And the place is consistently being cleaned. Like. Yes. You know, round the clock, you never sit down to a dirty table ever. What's your go to order? It, it's just fabulous. I like, I love going there, especially for brunch on the weekend, because I have a work studio in the neighborhood as mm-hmm. well. And one of my friends comes in to work in her studio. So we'll meet for brunch, and I'll have like an avocado omelet mm. with um, well done potatoes and whole wheat you know, toast and coffee, you know, bottomless cup. <laughs> and, uh, they, and the thing is that they even know how you take your coffee.
4: Awesome.
6: You know, like, like so you don't even have to ask. They'll say, oh, they know that you take half and half, for instance. Yeah. And the brothers are huge supporters of the arts in this neighborhood. Nine years in a row, they were our biggest supporters for our arts open. They gave more than Silver Cup or, or wow. Astoria Studios or anybody else. And it's because the artists have always supported the diner, even when it was truckers and hookers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, thanks. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> love that right turn it took. Steven's calling in from Queens. Hi, Stephen.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I, the one I, I go to the one every now and then. It's on 34th Street, the Starlight Diner. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I love it. But the one, I guess, from my memories down through the years I I told this screener earlier was the Westway Diner, which Mm -hmm. is on 43rd, between 43rd and 44th. Because years ago, the improbization, the improv used to be on 44th Street. And all the comics would do sets there and then haul it over to the Westway Diner, just like in the TV, you know, in Seinfeld. Yeah. And uh you I can remember being in there and there was Don Herrera, Brett Butler, huh. uh I Robin Williams, one I mean just the different people who would be there and the comics would be at their tables and they'd laugh and joke back and forth with each, it it was something it, it's still a yes. memory that I, 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 you know, I just can't shake.
4: When a diner has proximity to a place, a special place like that, I think that is kind of, um, and and it always attracts that loyalty. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. Like people will go there over and over and over again, um, and I think like that's a that kind of like um, exemplifies the. Diner culture,
1: yeah, and I think for that one, Westway Diner as well as Red Flame Diner over Fifth and Forty Fifth Sixth. If you're going to the theater, there's something for everybody. (laughs) Like you don't have to worry about like, can this person eat that? Can that person? People can always find something to eat. The eternal
4: question: Where to (laughs) eat before a show in New York City? It's the email I get every day.
1: We get uh, Midnight Express Upper East Side from Kelsey. We've got the Nevada Diner in Bloomfield, New Jersey. The cheesecake is to die for. Another tech says, no other country has diners. The most important meal is breakfast. Good home fries are essential. Shout out to Chelsea Square Diner. Best matzo ball soup and spinach pie in the city, Twenty four seven. There's something about the twenty four 7
4: I had a question actually about that. Like, there was a guy's like, "I'm in grad school. Sometimes I'm up until three a.m. writing a paper. I don't want to do in my apartment. Where should I go?" And at the time, I said Kell- Kellogg's Diner, which is in Williamsburg, is now shuttered, but is going to open with a fancy chef again. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but the. Uh, that's a, that was a 24-hour space, and you know when the pandemic happened, we lost a lot of our late night spaces. So like late night is only just now crawling back. Like, mm-hmm. and this used to be a 4 a.m. to six, like 6 a.m. city, right? Um, we all chilled out a lot during <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> but the diner has that's kind of been a huge role. of It is like you know any mm-hmm. time of day you're getting off from the hospital
1: at 4 a.m. You can go to a diner. You know what I mean? So let's talk to Allison from the Upper East Side. Hi, Allison.
6: Hey, Allison. uh, I love this show. You guys put such a smile on my face. Um, I've been on the Upper East Side for 50 years. Awesome. And uh, I will tell you what a diner is not, and I don't think young kids know what a diner is these days. It is not the green kitchen where you get a
2: Cosmo or margarita or, you know, some kind of, you know, effing, you know, fancy meal. A diner was akin to a greasy spoon. And, you know, I
6: think that we don't have them on the Upper East Side anymore because I don't care if it's greasy muse. You don't spend $25 on two eggs and hash browns. It's just it makes me so mad. But I love this segment. I might have to go out of the Upper East Side.
4: You know where you should go? And, I mean, you might you might uh, deign to go here because it does have. Espresso martinis, but (laughs) the Manhattan Diner on the Upper West Side, which is one of the diners I talked about, has an amazing diner menu. And yes, it has fancy cocktails, but the prices are very decent. It's like the menu is, I've never seen a a wider menu of options. (laughs) Like you can get pasta at this diner. Mm. It's a little, it's like, but they do have all the greasy spoon specials that you really crave. Yeah.
1: Uh, live in Brooklyn, but grew up in Philly, which is also diner ha- haven. Lots of great memories of going to our neighborhood diner at 6 in Gerard with my dad. But my favorite memory is being at a South Philly diner with West Coast cousins who could not get over the waitress saying in her Philly accent, Can I get you some coffee, hun? <laughs> part of the waitstaff yeah. is part of the, the, that is, the lure and the love of some diners. Some could argue
4: that it's 90% of it. <laughs> like, it is that... Um, you know, honestly, I think that the diner is one of the last places where if you get brusque service, you can't be mad about it. <laughs> it's They have things to do. There's a lot of people here. You know what I mean? Like this is you didn't come here for like them to worship your feet that you came to get, you know, a very decent like pile of waffles and a coffee so I think like (laughs) I think that that is like so endearing to Mm -hmm. have like your west coast cousins be like oh my god coffee east coast diner culture
1: (laughs) all right you've mentioned Tina's place Manhattan diner you mentioned any other New York City diners you want to get to before we take a break and then come back with Jersey yes my final one that I
4: feature is Jackson Hole Diner and this is um, a diner in right by LaGuardia Airport you if you've been down the BQE it's hard to miss they have a neon airplane sign And I found myself in there uh, a few, like last year almost, uh, almost a year ago. And it's just like a very charming place. It looks like it's out of a movie. And it was, in fact, featured in Goodfellas.
1: We're discussing diner culture with Nikita Richardson, editor for New York Times Food Section. She also writes the Where to Eat newsletter. We'll take more of your calls about your favorite diners. We'll head to my home state of New Jersey to discuss the specifics of Jersey diner culture after a quick break. This is All of It. This is All of It on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. My guest is Nikita Richardson, editor for the New York Times Food Section. She writes the Where to Eat newsletter. One of her recent newsletters was all about diners. We're getting so many call-outs for like the bus stop diner in West Harlem. I love the Hollywood Diner and sort of Flatiron Union squarish area. We are getting questions about... Oh, no, we got Hector's Diner and Cafe at 44 Little West 12th Street. Oh, that is a classic right near the Whitney. But I must say, for this conversation, we need to head to the Garden State, which maybe should be called the Diner State. Nancy Solomon, senior reporter and editor covering New Jersey, is joining us to talk about New Jersey diner culture. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Allison. (laughs) What is unique about Jersey diner culture? Well,
7: what could be more Jersey than a diner? I mean, it's just, you know, they're over the top in every way, especially the diners in Jersey. I mean, for one thing, first of all, there are more diners in Jersey than anywhere else. I I googled it. There are 500, apparently, or approximately. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're just so over the top in every way. You know, crazy design elements, crazy long menus that include well, everything. Uh, Huge portions. uh, And as was earlier mentioned, I I just love it when the waitress calls me hun. Um, And diners, you know, generally, not just in Jersey, they serve breakfast all day. That's a plus. Uh, They're family friendly. And, you know, so a lot of folks move to Jersey to raise their kids and diners work for that. And they're very, in New Jersey, they're very car friendly. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I was trying to think if I could think of a single diner that doesn't have a parking lot. And I can't, I'm sure now someone's going to call. I mean, I'm sure Mm -hmm. there is one, but generally, they have parking lots. So super easy for car culture. So yeah, it's it's really,
1: it's all of it. There you go. Thanks for dropping the name of the show. There you go. Um, Two words we also have to say, disco fries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very important to say disco fries when you're talking about Jersey and diners. So our producer Kate Hines, a proud Jersey native, wants to make sure that we know that Jerseyans invented the diner. According to New Jersey Spotlight in 1913, Bayonne's Jerry O'Mahoney established the first stationary lunch wagon and then started building prefab diners that could be shipped across the country. And uh, apparently New Jersey manufactured one third of the nation's diners from 1920s to the 1980s. This is such an important point topic, Nancy, that I know you asked the governor of New Jersey about it. Nancy, you're there? I did. I did. I thought you were going to play the tape. No, I was going to have you throw to the tape.
7: (laughs) Yes. Uh, I I knew you folks were planning the segment, so uh, one of your producers asked me to ask him, and so I did um i don't have in front of me what what cut of tape
1: you pulled but i did ask him about it you asked his opinion on jersey diners let's hear first what he had to say
8: on the short list of things that you could experience in jersey and literally nowhere else are diners there's just no question about it and the other great thing is every single diner has its own unique character so we we talk about taylor ham pork roll the diner experience as a general matter, which is true. the sort of a commonality, common spirit. But having said that, each and every one of them is their own unique experience, and that, I love them.
1: That is Governor Murphy on diners. Diners have a political element to them, especially for Jersey. You asked the governor about this. Let's listen. I want to let people know there's a little bit of music underneath the governor's answer because this was at the end of the show.
8: Well, I mean, I, I have meetings in diners all the time. I go to diners with my family uh, regularly. Um, I, I I had a, a disproportionate amount of diner time when I was f- first introducing myself around the state politically. So this would be sort of 2014 to 2016 when I was literally driving around meeting people. A disproportionate amount of those meetings were held in diners, usually in the community where the person lived or where their office was. And, and I, while I had always gone to diners, I had a sort of almost um, super-sized diner experience there for several years, and I still love them.
1: Nancy, from your experience covering Jersey politics, what have you observed about the role of the diner in Jersey business and political dealings?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the idea of how easy it is to get in and out. You know, they're usually on some of the state's most busiest roads. There's parking lots. So they are meeting places. um, And uh, there's always been political deals made around the diner table. Um, I have always loved the, uh, existence of the Westfield five. It was five Republicans who used to meet, uh, at the Westfield diner, um, and it's not that there were like there was anything untoward that happened. It was just like a real power base back when Republicans were more relevant in New Jersey than they are now. Um, so and then there was the decision among Democratic power brokers in 2021. Phil Murphy was at the table uh, deciding on who would be the president of the New Jersey State Senate. Um, that was purposely, I believe, made public. It was sort of meant to be like a secret meeting, but they they leaked it because they wanted to show that they were doing it in a Jersey diner. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, you know, and let me just say, I mean, there's also a very interesting mob history to mm-hmm. diners in New Jersey. I mean... Uh, Frank Lagana was shot in the head outside the Seville Diner uh, in East Brunswick, which he co-owned. He was a mobster. There was the decomposed body of a mobster found (laughs) in the trunk of a car that was parked for weeks undetected at the Huck Finn Diner in Union, which is one of my favorites, by the way. Um, And more recently, the political operative Sean Cattle now in federal prison, paid off a hitman at a diner in New Jersey to murder another politically connected guy who lived in Jersey City. So there's also that rich uh, mob history. Nancy, you, yeah, almost I think you
4: killed me with
1: that. You just took Nikita out with that list. <laughs> WNYC's Nancy Solomon, bringing the good times. Yeah. Nancy, thank you for calling in. Really appreciate it. And thank Thanks. you for Thanks asking for the her. governor. That was great of you. Okay. Uh, hey, all of it, crew. The TikTok diner in Clifton, New Jersey is a favorite of the Rolling Stones when they're in town. New York Times article said it a few years ago. We've got some more Jersey folks on the line. Jill from Warren.
2: Hi, Jill. Hi. The Summit Diner in Summit, New Jersey doesn't have a parking lot and is one of the very, very old classic diners like they used to ship all over the the U.S. And it's still got the wooden booths and the round, circular, small stools and is great for breakfast.
1: Jill, thanks for calling in. Mark is calling from the Bronx. Hi, Mark.
3: Hi. Many years ago, I was intrigued by the diner in the West Village called the Terminal Diner, which I thought was an interesting name. And I wrote a a play, a one-act play that was performed, I guess, about 40 years ago. And uh, as as we speak, I'm uh, working on a new version of it. And it's called The Terminal Diner, and it's about a family that takes over a, an abandoned dining car and turns it into a diner and uh, everything that goes on. And I would like to, to recommend one diner in the Bronx, uh, which is near, uh, near Riverdale, but down the hill. And it's called The Tibbet Diner, T-I-B-B-E-T. And it's the only diner I found that has a full menu of fish. A fresh-caught fish. <laughs> wow. And and it it turns out that the owner is a fisherman because when I asked him if the fish was fresh, mm-hmm. he said, yeah, I caught it this morning. go worry.
1: <laughs> I was about to say fish and diner. I don't always want to put those two things together. No offense to anybody, A diner please. can be anything. A diner can be anything. There you go. <laughs> Nikita, when you're thinking, you obviously go to all kinds of restaurants. How, and I don't mean to throw you a curve here, what do you think about that it sort of... Uh, postmodern diners Mm. new diners that pop up that have the vibe of an old diner but are clearly modern but as our friend on the
4: upper east i would say is are too expensive to count as diners (laughs) (laughs) um i mean i think that what it it's it's coming from a a the way that like we i think a lot of people have a childhood love of the diner Mm -hmm. a diner is has always been a safe space to be a kid and like you know what I mean? And so I think that as those people have grown up, they want to create diners, but they've also worked at, like, very nice restaurants. I, mm-hmm. I've i mentioned Golden Diner that's down in, I guess, what we call would we'll call Chinatown, Two Bridges. Mm-hmm. And um, the chef there, Sam, he's uh, Chinese. So it's like mm-hmm. he, there's diner culture, but he puts a lot of his uh, Chinese heritage into the food. And I think that's super mm-hmm. special. Um, and I even if it's pricey, I'm like... I'm glad this exists because it is. It represents kind of where the diner, as we know it, it's a way that, that its legacy is is going mm-hmm. on. Because diners are actually still closing at a relatively rapid clip. Um, everyone should follow the Instagram diners of NYC, which features like all of these diners from all over the place. Um, but I think that those diners have us. They have a place, mm-hmm. and they are still carrying on that. That feeling of, hey, this is just a, you know, informal place. We're all the same in this spot. Like, and if, as long as that is being carried on, then I think that both can coexist.
1: The Chit Chat Diner in West Orange is on a hill, and five years ago, when school buses could not make it to their destinations because of a freak snowstorm, the owners welcomed in school buses full of kids, and many of them stayed overnight. The kids loved it. The 24-hour service is something. That's from Maria from New Jersey texted us. It's adorable. That is a great story. (laughs) Thanks so much for calling in. Let's talk to Bob on Line 6 calling in from Manhattan, but he's got a Connecticut story. Hi, Bob.
0: Yes, yes, a shout out to the, <clears throat> the Sherwood Diner in Westport, Connecticut. It's right off ninety five the Sherwood Island exit, and it's on Route one. Um, <clears throat> we have a tiny house up in in Westport, and in the summertime it could just get packed with people they're sleeping everywhere and My daughter was like one and one and a half, and she would wake up at five five thirty in the morning. I'd just pick her up, put her in the car seat, we'd drive to the Sherwood Diner, and the waitresses were just so welcoming and it was some of the best mornings in my life. I would just in there until, you know, time people were waking up and they were, they were just so nice. And Connecticut is full of diners. Almost every little town uh, has a diner. Uh, of sorts. So anyway, I think it's comp- competition for New Jersey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I'm with you when i when about the diners when you have a a kid and a newborn, I used to take my kid in the car seat, take him over to the good stuff diner, sit him on the <laughs> on the bank. it's a it's a wonderful thing for a parent at five a m in the yes. morning that <laughs> 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 they have some place to go. Um, let's talk to Mary on line four. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mary, are you there?
2: Hi. Yes, hi. Um, I was going to, I, I wanted to mention a diner that has probably been closed for a number of years, but, um, the frontier diner, it was on third Avenue in the high thirties, low forties. <clears throat> and I cer I mean, the location, you know, was so, was great for people who worked in midtown, but I also, um, it really stuck in my mind because I was uh, I was um, bringing a French family of prof- professors plus two teenagers. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, around New York, and so that you know it was a convenient location. They were staying nearby. I think we've lost Mary.
1: Mary, um, I take care of your cough, Mary. Um, let's talk to Bob from Blairstown, New Jersey. Hey, Bob, thanks for calling in. You have a crazy, well, I'll let you tell your story. Go for it.
0: <laughs> oh, I, am from, I'm, I am from Blairstown, New Jersey, and I'm calling about the Blairstown Diner. Now, this diner was featured in the original movie of Friday the 13th. It's still around, and every Friday the 13th, people from all over the country Come to the diner and Blastown dressed as different characters from all the Jason movies. It's it's the Blastown's claim to fame, the Blastown Diner on Friday the 13th.
1: Bob, thank you for calling in. I love a little diner trivia. I'm going to flag
4: that as a story for the (laughs) Times.
2: There
1: there you go. Um, Nikia, let's say you were going to open your own diner. Money's not a problem. What would you want the atmosphere to be? Would you stick with the classic gigantic menu? Would you keep it simple? Um, I,
4: you know, honestly, my only thing would be, <clears throat> I would pull back on the eggs. I'm not a big egg person. Okay. <laughs> I love a scrambled egg. Like, I'm not going to lie. And, and maximize the waffles. I, this is not just a Waffle House thing. <laughs> I just think that waffles are the best thing ever. Like chocolate buckwheat waffles. I, and they're, and they're like, primed for adding like they have the little grid so they hold mm-hmm. syrup extremely well it would it would i think it would be waffle house north i think i just wanted waffle house in new york i think, <laughs> I think that's just what i said <laughs> i would like to open a franchise up here
1: <laughs> i think that my tip is pancakes for the table mm. whenever you go out with a bunch of people pancakes for you the need table. to run
4: to tom's restaurant so this is this is another place i featured tom's restaurant it's in um Prospect Heights, kind of very close to the um, Brooklyn Museum. And that restaurant's been around ages. I think it's also something in the 80s or 90s. Of, and it's not to be confused with the Tom's restaurant that's in near Columbia, mm-hmm. which is the one that inspired Tom's Diner by Suzanne Vega. This one is completely different, but they have a massive menu of pancakes. Like, as many, uh, whatever your imagination can think of, it has that pancake on it. And they are these, they're 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 not even round. They're like kind of like oblong. And it's fine because they're so good uh, that you don't really need them to be perfectly round.
1: <laughs> everybody who called in, we could do this again. We may have to do this we again. May have to. I would come back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who called in, those who got on the air and those who didn't. And thanks to everybody who texted as well.